Hello and welcome to From the B.O. Land. This is the debrief for Burnley's defeat at Aston Villa. And uh, I'm here with Paul Woodhouse, Justin Conley and Andrew Greaves with his shiny new Christmas present microphone looking fully <laughs> professional now. The, those early episodes where it sounded like he was in an East German phone box are just a distant memory now. Fully fully teched up, Greavesy. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully this is going to sound crisp and I won't get any stick on up the clarets <laughs> from now on. Excellent. Right, let's get into that game. We took 24 hours to sort of let our emotions settle after that one because it was one where if you went on social media, people were raging. Even Vincent Company, normally so uh, languid and calm after after defeats this season, um, you could tell he was really upset about that one. Uh, Justin, mm. overall impressions? Well, it, it was another... It was another disappointment, wasn't it? Like the Liverpool game was a disappointment, but we're now we're now disappointed that we're not getting anything out of these these games because the performances are much better than they once were. I think against against Villa, the big disappointment obviously is the is the you know the the two big decisions that went against us: the penalty and the the sending off. I think the sending off changes the game. You know, I think the penalty is a really weak, soft one, and and. Uh, if those decisions go go our way instead of against us, then we're really in that game. And that, that's two games in a week against the two top sides in the Premier League where we don't look out of place. I think that's, you know, it's about time we, we said that. You know, we, we're halfway through the season now and we've been work, they've been, they've been working really hard towards this. Um, so I think it's how it boards well for the second half of the season. I'm not as angry as I was yesterday. Um, but I think I still think there's quite a lot to be angry about uh, coming out of that game. Yeah, I mean, Greavesy, on those decisions, we can throw another one in there as well, the handball uh, with Carlos when uh, Lyle Foster was going through, which VAR did look at, didn't it? And I know obviously it's outside the penalty area, but I presume they're looking at a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. Um, What did you make of that one and the other decisions? Yeah, the handball one's a weird one because there's a, a, a train of thought that VAR can't get involved in that because it's outside the box. Now I th- I don't know if they were checking whether it was in the box. I don't know what I don't know what the decision was being checked whether it was going to be a is it a penalty or into a penalty in or out the box. But I mean the hand flicks up. It is it's you know Vincent said after the game it's it's worse than the Sanderberg one that we got the goal chalked off at, at Forest for. Mm. You know um I mean, Stuart Atwell, I mean, the less said about Stuart Atwell, and we seem to say this every week with referees, don't we? Oh, he's the worst of the lot. Um, But, yeah, Atwell, he's one of these personality refs, isn't he? He likes it all to be about him. I mean, the way he was looking, crouching before giving the penalty, you could tell he was just going to give it. Um, Yeah, I've no real complaints over Burgess sending off because I think it's 
I think that's stupid of him. And I think I'd be disingenuous not to call him stupid, given the fact that I called Robert stupid earlier in the season when he got sent off for, for mm. two bookings. And, and you know, the second one was a giveaway. Um, so I'd, I'm not sure company has much to complain about there. The penalty, I mean, I don't know if anyone's checked on Duran because, you know, he, he looked in a bad way, didn't he? I mean, he went down like he'd been, <laughs> you know, shot shot from the grassy knoll or whatever didn't he it's kind of the 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 dive which is what it is let's be honest the arch back the kind of holding the ankle when he's he's caught the underside of his boot if anything i've done that before it probably hurt ramsey more than it hurt duran but um yeah ramsey's a bit daft trying to take a take a touch inside his box but it's just another tale of war when it comes to shite officials isn't it woody have you calmed down were you raging yesterday after those <clears throat> Absolutely livid, Simon. It was one of those it was one of those curious games, wasn't it, that on the balance of play, we'd have been rather lucky to have nabbed a point. But if you look at the decisions that impacted the game fully, we could have quite easily come out of that winning 3-2, or at least definitely getting a point. And those decisions, whichever way we look at them, even in real time, that handball looks like a handball, and very rarely... Can you say that about a handball? Um, the penalty, while you can give a, a good indication as to why it's been given, it's still extremely soft. He's hit him, he's real, or he's caught him a little bit underneath his foot. Guy's realised he's been caught underneath his foot, then plants his foot, then decides to go down. And yeah, that's extremely soft to give it that moment in time. And all told... Yeah, extremely disappointing result. But I think, as everybody said, this past two weeks, we've shown that we kind of now belong and can compete in this division and not just with sides at the bottom of the table with the top two in the division. And it's just a shame that it might just be a little bit too late to start showing some of that. Yeah, I mean, on those decisions, before we move on to the performance, I, I think the penalty, I sort of, looking at it again this morning, I'm thinking like, he did take ages to make the decision, didn't he, as well, which left me at the time thinking, is he looking at this one and thinking, oh, he's made a big fuss, I better give it, and then VAR's going to look anyway. But he had a perfect view of it. He really did have an absolutely perfect view of it. He's in, mm. you know, credit to him for being in the right position for that one. But it, it is it is soft. And part of you thinks, like, there should be a degree of... I know this is like easy to say when it's happened to Burnley, but there should be a degree of uh, common sense or, or, or justice in these things where if a player gets the slightest tucks and makes a massive meal of it, the making a massive meal of it should nullify the, the slight tuck. <laughs> yeah. It should. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it does. You see players, you know, Raheem Sterling, because he so often has done this kind of thing, Sometimes he doesn't get given decisions because, uh, you know, when he, when perhaps he should have done because people are expecting him to have dived. I, I slightly dissent, uh, Greavesy, on, on the Sander Berger one in the sense that there used to be a time in football, and maybe it's just modern football, but there used to be a time in football where a ref would say to a player for something very minor like a little shirt tug and say, hey, you're on a yellow card, this is your last warning, another silly thing like that and you're off. And I don't think anyone complained in those days about something like that. And and now it's like, oh, that's an automatic yellow. A yellow is supposed to be for something pretty serious, mm. you know, serious battle play. Well, it's it's inconsistency, isn't it? That's the problem. The problem is you see, I, I've seen referees 
um, you know, fail to book somebody for a really much more obvious yellow card offence than that. I mean, just just because they're on a, a second yellow and they don't they don't want to send them off and ruin the game, and they don't even even the stuff like kicking the ball away. There was a there was a bit where Trafford just booted the ball into the stand to, towards the end of the game, and. Nothing. He, he wasn't booked for that or anything. Whether the ref didn't see it or what, it just. But it just seems like things like that. They make the, the referees make different decisions according to what the different stage in the game was. And I don't. I don't. I don't understand why Berger's been treated as differently to the way they, they treat other players. It just. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, no, I do it's... agree on. I do agree on Simon on your point there, Simon. I hadn't even thought of it like that. Um. It was such a weird little... I mean, it's not even a full... You know, it's not even a full shirt tug. It's kind of just a... He's pulled him back a little mm-hmm. bit. It's a weird one. I, I do, you know, I just think you can't put yourself in that position because, you know, we know nowadays that referees don't do that little kind of, look, you're on a booking, mm-hmm. don't be daft. Next time, you know, it'll be a second booking. Um, and, of course, Stuart Atwell's a Luton Town fan, so... <laughs> Are we having this conspiracy theory about him being a Luton fan? <laughs> I'm not having that. Supposedly a Luton fan. I don't know, but there we go. I'm not suggesting that Stuart Atwell's corrupt, but maybe the whole Premier League is. I don't know. Maybe the Everton fans are right. Yeah, yeah I don't know about that. I think what you are right about, Greavesy, though, is that it is really silly to be going around pulling shirts when you know you're on a, a yellow card. That's the that's the bottom line, isn't it? Granted that. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the performance a bit then. So I think we can all uh, agree with, uh, and, and all Burnley fans will agree that we were sort of robbed a bit by the officials there. But in terms of, in terms of the performance, I mean, my sort of thoughts at half time were two incidents there that if we'd have got right, you know, we uh, Lyle Foster took his disallowed goal so well, um, really composed finish, which was good to see offside because he just didn't check his run enough uh, and he was right on the halfway line as well in fact you know with, and with his speed if he'd have stayed just that side of the line he's still going through and scoring that goal um yeah. if he does that that's a goal for burnley at the other end both our fullbacks uh playing uh watkins on mm. and uh by not being in in a line and not doing a really basic thing uh that back lines are supposed to do and move up as a unit like that. Um, those two things go the other way and, and the score's the score's different. It's it's what company's been talking about, isn't it? About getting getting those little details when Foster's not in the box, but as he says in the two boxes. But overall that first half performance, we seem to have done this in a few games now, don't we? Where we, we start quite slowly and, and and quite badly in first halves and then book up after after half time. Would he Performance-wise, I mean, you're saying we we're competing with a side there that's up in the top three in the Premier League. Um, what what impressed you most about that performance? Second half, I would imagine mostly, but overall, what impressed you most? I thought even the first half, the fact that we didn't get overrun like we have done in other games uh, previously, we we tend to the 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 gate looking quite sharp, um, and then all of a sudden they work out after five or ten minutes what it is that we're actually doing and then start pushing up on us and then start bullying us a little bit more. And then the first half tends to... We we, we tend to be quite fortunate to get to half-time 
without too large a deficit. And we seem to hold our shape a lot better yesterday. Uh, we seem to hold them at bay quite nicely yesterday. We well, we we had their high press sword, uh, barring those matter of fine margins and millimeters, etc. We fosters tore, but I think the second half, the way that we continued to battle constantly after obviously going down to ten men, etc., and put in a a, a fabulous a fabulous shift all told. Um, yeah, there was a lot to be impressed about yesterday, apart from the result. Mm-hmm. Justin, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. I think <clears throat> had the second half not been so um, eventful, I think we would be talking a lot about the individual mistakes. Those first two goals we conceded were really, really poor defensively. They got a bit lucky with that first one. I think it took a bit of a deflection, which without mm. that may may be uh, our our world-class goalkeeper gets to it and saves it um second one I, I mean you can't you can't be having somebody giving somebody a tap in on the edge of the six yard box can you? you that just should never happen at this level it's that's just ridiculous but the thing that impressed me the most about the whole thing is we actually scored a goal from a set piece i can't remember the last time we did that it was quite nicely worked as well you know they had it at the far post and then uh, i'm doing his finish was fantastic so you know, if we're starting to get that sort of that side of the game right, then things are going definitely in the right direction. I think. Yeah, it was a great finish. I thought a little bit. Mm. You know, it's it's one of those that sort of gets dismissed as a sort of turned it in at the back post, as the journalists would say. But mm. actually, physically, what he had to do to get over the top of that ball and everything it was it was a pretty impressive finish. Greavesy, your your thoughts on on sort of positives and negatives in the performance. Yeah, I think, I mean, just picked out the the second goal is the most disappointing, I think. Mm. The fact that Sanderberg's done the hard work, tracked DRB right to the edge of the six-yard box and then just left him. Uh, and him and Bettino have just let him wander in front of them to tap home. That shouldn't be happening. Um, the other thing we've got to remember, um, you know, we lost Bear early doors, didn't we? I mean, you've got Delcroix mm-hmm. coming on, who, let's be honest, hasn't had much in the way of minutes, even for Anderlecht. You know, I don't think he's played much football over the last couple of years anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that Amdouni goal is really good because it's bouncing high, you know what I mean? He's He's got over and above it, like you're saying. Um, but for me, the biggest positive just, just fosters mm. pace and, yeah. and power. And, you know, his finish is all just brute force, isn't it? And how many times do we see, you know, how many times have we had a Burnley striker who is that kind of big unit who just fights for everything and, and things like that. And um, yeah, the, the slow starts, the weird kind of, you know, you frustrate them for 10, 11 minutes and then you go crap for the next kind of 40 minutes or the next kind of 35 minutes and then come good again in the second half, a bit like we did against Liverpool, a bit like we were against Fulham. Mm. Um, you know, if we could patch together a 90 minute performance then we're halfway there and that the project as we like to call it is it's working you know there are the improvements that said I, I and I think I don't know if I said this in our group or I was chatting to somebody last night in the pub about it I do think now is probably a good chance to have a look at that back line because I think fullbacks to a certain extent we've always had it with Peters and Bardsley when they come into the side they're good for a spell and then they kind of reach the end of a shelf life and need a bit of time out and I think Bettinio now I think he's had two poorish 
games against Liverpool and Villa, I think it's probably time for Roberts to come back in at right back, Vitinho to drop out. And then in, you know, eight, nine, ten games, it's probably another swap because Roberts will reach the end of his kind of shelf life. And I think it's it is like that, I think, for fullbacks sometimes. Um, you know, I know a lot of managers change their fullbacks perhaps more than they change the centre half pairings. Um, but obviously the the bear injury is a bit of a worry. Uh, depending on the the fitness of Alderkeel and Ekdal and you know whoever else was, I don't think I don't think Vitinho's struggling to be honest. I mean, I thought he was poor yesterday. I thought he was really poor. I thought his positioning was bad. Um, his final product we know is not great. Um, maybe it's just me. Uh, you know, maybe I'm kind of I don't know just getting into that kind of reading too much on the message boards about how poor he was. I don't know, but I, I thought he was poor yesterday. I thought he was questionable at times against Liverpool. Hmm. Any hmm. other thoughts on Vitinho? Because I was saying before we went on air, I was just saying like I've sort of had to eat a bit of humble pie because I didn't I didn't rate him like when we were looking at our options pre-season. You know, I was making a big song and dance about how we need about another backup to Conor Roberts because Vitinho is nowhere near good enough for the Premier League and I think he's proved me wrong. But I'm open to persuasion on that view, obviously. You know, Greavesy has a different view. Would he? to get on the fence, he did some good things and he did some bad things. And he has a tendency to give the ball away in transition with a very easy pass. And he does that every single game. Yesterday he did it two or three times, but to your point that you were talking about, Sam, that kind of interception that he made towards the end of the game was full back alicious. That was as lovely as you're ever going to see. But, <laughs> you know... It's easy. He's, he's one of those players that's quite easy to pick out things that he does wrong versus things that he does right, you know, because there's always something. What you're doing, Greavesy, really is you're suggesting <laughs> we play musical fullbacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. It's just a shame we've not got as many fullbacks as we have wingers. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> we'll get on to wingers in, in a minute. Uh, but Foster, I mean, that was that was him back to his uh, back to his best. He hadn't. We've said we said in the last couple of games that he he looked like he'd come off a layoff. He didn't look he didn't look sharp, but his finish as well. It's not just the strength and pace. The finish, you know, was burying it away, and 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 the disallowed goal as well with the composure he showed. I mean, that's a massive boost, isn't it? I mean, we were saying on the last pod transfer window talk. The one thing we need, we all agreed on, was the centre forward. Uh, mm. If Foster's back to that sort of form, do we do we still need one? I mean, we've only, you know, there's only Jay as backup, really, isn't there? Obafemi doesn't seem to get a look in, really. Yeah, I think we can always do it with more numbers in that in that in that position. But you're right; it was colossal uh, yesterday. I think um, I was a bit disappointed with Villa playing such a high line and playing that horrible, horrible offside trap the whole time. I thought I was sort of tailor made a bit for him and a bit a bit more. If we'd been a bit smarter, we could have exploited that a bit. But I mean, let's be honest, you should never be offside six inches into the opposition's half, should you really? Um, and that it was a shame. I mean, it was only like a couple of inches, wasn't it? It, it was a real shame that because it, it was a fantastic run and, and a great finish. But we could have done a bit more with that. Um, but yeah, I, did, I, I think we do need someone back up because, you know, uh, given the circumstances earlier in the season, you, we de- definitely don't want to put too much pressure on him. Um, <clears throat> I think J-Rod did well uh, when he came in. He, he's solid, isn't he? But he's a different kind of player. And if we're going to, if we, if we need that, we need that B 
bit more pace up front that I think if we're going to exploit um, the, the wide players uh, to the full full extent. Yeah, it's one of those things that, um, you know, we've a lot of times this season we've looked at it and said, well, in the Dash era or Dash's teams did this that we're not doing Dash. Dash's yeah. team has never really had, apart from maybe Andre Gray, who, who, who didn't really do it at Premier League level, but had that sort of pace up front like that that makes such a difference. Because, you know, we, when we went route one, it was mm. it was quite effective, wasn't it? You know, and no doubt we'll still hear commentators saying next week that Vincent Company is sticking to his guns and he's not going to change the way he plays when when our most effective moves have been long balls over the top. But but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think from a from a, a do we need another striker? I think it becomes a backup rather than a shit. We need a Premier League ready striker who's going to get us. X amount of goals because I think if you can keep fostering in that, and let's be honest, it was you know the foster we saw at Luton and at Forest and you know that kind of um, that kind of performance where he is all power and you know he causes people problems. Um, you know I think the shifting has probably gone. The thinking's probably shifted from right. We need to find goals from somewhere. Let's have a look in the foreign leagues at somebody who's perhaps doing quite well in the first half of the season to. Right, let's plan for Jay perhaps leaving in the summer, so it becomes more of that kind of thinking. I think rather than a we need somebody because Foster's back probably a month or so earlier than we expected him to. But as Justin says, you know his mental health is probably still quite fragile. Too much pressure, and suddenly you know we might be in a situation where we're you know we lose him again. Hopefully we won't touch wood, but you know. But I think that'd be the thinking now is. Right, actually, Premier League proven strikers are very difficult to find in January, but we've got a bit more kind of flexibility in that thinking. And Vincent did say in his press conference, we won't be signing any Premier League proven players because we can't afford them. So hmm. that that was other another re- reversion to the Dash era to hear that that sort of talk, really. But um, talking of the transfer market, then let's move on. Although I have to say, I, I, even though it's a defeat with bad bad refereeing decisions. I was left with a feeling after yesterday that mostly because of what Woody was saying that, you know, we've been competitive against Liverpool and Aston Villa. I I was left the most optimistic I've been this season after yesterday's game. Mm. We really, we really, we could have won that game and and, and not spawned it either, you know, so. No, it's a massive shame that that United let us down in the evening game and, and, you know, <laughs> gave Nottingham Forest three points that, uh, you know, we could have well done without coming because we're, we're five points off the pace now, which is a lot at this stage of the season, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, look, the big picture is tough, isn't it? I think I think, mm-hmm. I think we're right. We've just got to uh, take these games as they come and enjoy them for what they are. And, and it was good, good to see us compete and play like that. No question at all about the spirit anyway, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Right, so a bit of news came in just before we started recording. News, speculation. Sasha Tabalieri, who's uh, who you may remember, was on our podcast uh, during the summer, the Belgian transfer guru. He um, he was he's reported that Manuel Benson is on his way to Southampton in a loan deal with an obligation to buy, uh, which has upset people a little bit. Obviously, Manuel Benson. Um, a player many people hold close to their hearts. Um, and obviously, for what he did last season, including uh, winning the title at Ewood Park. Um, 
a bit a bit of a surprise, but when you unpack it, perhaps makes some sense in my opinion. But Justin, how, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I thought I thought he hadn't been playing much this season because he's because he's been injured quite a lot. Um, but uh, but maybe that's not the case. Obviously, we don't see everything that goes on behind the scenes. I don't know if he's not. Ultimately, he's, if he's not going to be playing. Um, then and a, and a decent offer comes in for him. Then why why wouldn't you you know want to want to cash in on that? Um, Southampton will have seen what he's capable of, uh, you know, playing for us last season, and you know they're still in with a shout. So maybe if if they feel that he's capable of doing doing for them what he what he did for us, then they might pay a little bit more than they would would hope to for him. Um, I'd be very sad to see him go because he's provided us with some great moments, hasn't he? But even last season, he wasn't sort of consistently, you know, starting games, was he? So it, I just think if he's not going to play, then it makes sense to to cash in on him now rather than wait until he's, you know, got his value has dropped uh, dramatically. And what about that shirt? Yeah, well, this is the big disappointment about it. I went to the uh, club shop um, just before Christmas and bought my son, uh, against my better judgment, a new a new home shirt with Benson's name on the back. So I'll be uh, I'll be taking that round to Alan Pace's house next week for a refund. Well, I think a member of my family will be joining you because my uh, <laughs> my cousin's got a little puppy a, a couple of uh, weeks ago. Um, who their family have named Benson. His son's <laughs> also a big Burnley fan. Um, so I think give Benson, him a lift. Ben, Benson the puppy will be outside Alan Pace's house as well with a plaintive look on his face. <laughs> but Greavesy, what does it make sense? I mean, we the, in mission to Burnley, this one of the few real revelations that came out of it was companies saying to them, "We need to sell four players a year to make this model work." Is this the first of? Several, you think? Yeah, and I think I, I, I think we get really sentimental about players, don't we? I think this is the thing, and um, you know, if you look at what Benson did last year, I, I think a lot of this kind of disbelief that we'd even be in a position to to sell him or let him go out on loan with an option to buy or an obligation to buy, it is purely based on Rovers away. You know, let's be honest; mm-hmm. it's based on that. And I think that is not the way a company will be thinking or Pace will be thinking. They'll be thinking that this is a player we bought for four million. We signed him up to that five-year deal, which is probably, you know, was probably always going to be triggered on promotion to bring his wages in line with what he'd agreed with his agent, etc. But it does mean that he has got, you know, a lot of years left on his contract. You know, Southampton could be looking at a, you know, obligation to buy a 15. 15, 16 million quid, you know, that's a big return on a 4 million pound outlay or 4 million euro outlay. So, yeah, I mean, to me, he's not played as in this season. You know, we don't know whether he can make the step up. He does appear to pick up injuries quite easily. Even last year, he had spells where he was kind of not in, not in the, the squad due to injury, little kind of knocks and things like that. Let's be honest, most people thought he was shite at the start of the season. You remember, you know, his first couple of appearances and Watford away, everyone was, oh, if we signed, he's a right duffo. So people kind of have short memories. I think, you know, this is the model. I'd, I'd be gutted to see him go. 
but it makes sense from a financial point of view. Zerori is probably going to be next, and let's be honest. You know, if we can find a club, Homer abroad to take Zerori for a, on a similar kind of deal, a to get him out of the Premier League squad to allow us to bring players in because we've got no wriggle room on that Premier League squad as it stands. We've got people like Benson and Zerori who aren't getting a chance taking up squad numbers. Um, and it also brings, you know, potentially next summer when we've got to buy Magic Mike Trezor because he played five minutes or whatever the, the deal was. So we now triggered an £18 million obligation. And they're going to want to bring money in, aren't they? Is that what it was? It was five games, I think. He had to make five appearances, and then all of a sudden we were we were obligated to buy him. And he made those kind of five short, kind of seven-minute appearances, didn't he? So he's probably played 35 minutes, and he's cost us 18 million quid. So I think it's wow. it makes perfect financial sense. I'd be good to see him go. Um, but, you know, it's the model, isn't it? That is can the we, model. Can we, not, can we not sell Trezor for 18? <laughs> and keep Benson. <laughs> Well, maybe, but I don't. I, I don't know if Benson is good enough for the Premier League. Mm, Might be quite controversial, but you know, yeah, I just, I don't see. He's not had a chance, has he? Even though we we now believe he's fit. I see Woody. Woody. Woody's. Woody's a little bit perturbed by some of this talk. Oh no, not at all. I I agree one hundred percent. We agree. My overarching thought about it is sentimentality. You know, we're going from a, a you know, the the Ewood thing, those four identical holes coming in the last minutes of games. We all got mm. caught up in that, and that is what we remember. Benson, that's 37, 37 appearances, but how many did he actually start in? Then you look at this season, four appearances, all from the subs bench, no contributions. Like, where, you know, are we seeing, we can't necessarily say whether he's a Premier League player, and therefore, has he got? you know, hamstrings like one rubber bands with absolutely no idea. And should he go to Southampton to get his fitness, etc.? Yeah, there's a question over this idea of obligation. But if you're turning 4 million euros into 18 million euros, then you've basically covered Trezor's uh, fee, haven't you? One way or the other. Great. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's it, it it does make sense from a business point of view, and I, yeah, I wonder where they're going to get the other three if their aim is to do to do four. Um, maybe that's a goal rather than an iron rule, of course. But but it's yeah, it, I mean, the other thing about him was he was a bit of a super sub last year, really, for a large stretches of the time, wasn't he? Yeah. And he kept doing this thing where he'd come off the bench for the last twenty twenty five, make a massive impact and make a massive difference, start a game. And really not make an impact and, and get mm-hmm. subbed off. You know, that kept happening all the time. So when we remember the whole picture of him as well as the glory moments, but what glory moments? I mean, th- 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 those consecutive goals were just ridiculous. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic stuff. Had a, had you out of your seat wherever you were watching the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the other bit of news to come out of the club uh, on a strangely newsy New Year's Eve is that um, Charlie Adam. The uh, academy coach and uh, loan manager at Burnley um, is going to Fleetwood Town as their manager, and uh, and it, and Ross Wallace from his academy staff, former Burnley player, of course, is also heading uh, out to the coast. Um, are we surprised at that, Greavesy? 
No, I think, um, I mean, it seems like a good move for him. I think, you know, one of the things that if we can get a reputation where we can develop coaches, um, you know, as well as developing players, um, you know, then that's got to be a good thing. I think, you know, it came out of the blue a little bit. I know they sacked off Lee Johnson, having been on a really bad run. Um, Charlie Adams' first managerial role um but yeah him and ross going across um you know across the coast it, it looks a good move for them it's probably enhances our reputation um i think dean marnie's probably the next coach on the rank to kind of move up and perhaps take on that role so we have got a bit of a an old boys network i know charlie adam didn't play for us but ross wallace did in the kind of academy coaching ranks. So I think it's, I think it's great. I think, you know, if, if he goes away and, and, you know, turns that around and develops as a coach, you know, you're always looking for who's going to be the next Burnley manager. I'm not saying Charlie Adams is going to be the next Burnley manager, but is he one in kind of two or three managers time in 10 years where he's earned his stripes elsewhere, started with us and suddenly we're in a position where he feels like coming back to turf more, you know, big job, his first big job gives him a chance of, you know, doing something so yeah i'm quite happy i think it's like I say it's a slightly strange timing very newsy new year's eve but yeah i'm quite happy i think um yeah fair play to him it's a it's a good role any thoughts on that nah <laughs> not really no, i didn't even know <laughs> didn't even know ross yeah. wallace was there to be honest um these backroom backrooms stuff are a little bit of a mystery to me but i think graves is right isn't it also if there's a pathway there, if people are paying attention to who we've got running our, you know, running these um, these other teams, then uh, it makes it a little bit easier to attract people to those jobs if there's a pathway out of it towards managing another team. So I I agree with Greavesy. It's all positive. Indeed it is. Right. Well, we'll call it quits, I think. It's New Year's Eve. We've got things to do. Mm-hmm. And the listeners have got things to do as well even though they'll be listening to this on uh, New Year's Day, most likely. Do have a very, very happy New Year, and thank you once again for listening to us throughout our launch year, 2023. Um, It's been uh, fantastic fun. And uh, we will be back to talk about the FA Cup clash at Tottenham Hotspur. Mm. That's coming up next. Um, League-wise, it's Luton Town, a big one. A really must-win game, that one. But lots to talk about coming up uh, in our next episode. Thanks very much for being with us. Have a great new year and uh, all the best and up the clarets. Jimmy McElroy to Watson.